Welcome to the MBS Leadership Series, where we discuss all things related to the REI process. Your host is Natalie Moore, Senior MBS Specialist. Welcome, Natalie. Hey, everyone. It's Natalie. Welcome to the MDS Leadership Series podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. We're going to be delving into the complexities of the five-star rating staffing domain. This domain is ever-evolving and has proven to be extremely intricate, so I've elicited some help from my colleague. Very excited to be joined today by Linda Elder, our clinical specialist. Welcome to the podcast, Linda. Hey there, Natalie. I'm happy to be here. All right. So many of us have made the mistake of thinking this staffing domain would be easy to manage. We just make sure our PPD is above the regulatory guidelines, right? Well, some of us have learned the hard way that that is definitely not the case. There are so many moving parts. So let's just start with the basics. When it comes to the staffing domain calculations, what is the staffing measure based on and what are those look back periods for the information that's included? The staffing measure is based on three nurse staffing levels and three measures of staff turnover. Staffing and census data will be collected for each fiscal quarter. Staffing data includes the number of hours paid to work by each staff member each day within a quarter. Census data includes the facility census on the last day of each of the three months in a quarter. The calculations of staffing levels is derived using census data from the MDS. Natalie, could you let us know what communities need to know about this? Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, it's the end of the quarter that the MDS census is derived from. So we have many communities that have that misconception that they also have 45 days, as you do with the timeline to submit the PBJ data for MDS census, but that's not true. As soon as the quarter ends, that is the end of collection for the MDS census for that quarter, which means any discharge assessment and those admission assessments have to be done and submitted timely for your census to be as accurate as it can be. We also want to ensure that our resident identifiers have been verified with Medicare prior to any submission of that entry tracking record. On the entry tracking record, that information gets pulled directly from the face sheet. So oftentimes we have new admissions. Our MDS coordinators really like to get that entry tracking record sent off maybe day one, day two, but that isn't really giving your business office manager enough time to verify that the information is correct. So they'll check with the Medicare system and they'll probably end up making some updates to the face sheet because the resident identifiers on the MDS must match exactly how they are in the Medicare system. Those resident identifiers include the name. So that's going to be spelling of the name, first name, last name. Is there a junior attached, senior attached, social security number, date of birth, and gender. So any changes to those from the entry tracking record to the next assessment completed is going to cause an artificially high census in your IKEYS MDS census. So we want to wait to complete that entry tracking record until we know that the face sheet is accurate and has been verified with our business office with that Medicare system. Usually it takes about three business days, but just check with your business office manager to verify how long that will usually take. And then I know that there are multiple reports that can aid the communities in the PBJ process. Do you want to speak to those? 
Sure, there are a few PBJ reports communities should be aware of. The 1700D employee report lists the active and or terminated employees. The 1702D individual daily staffing report details facility staffing information by employee ID. The 1702S staffing summary report summarizes staffing information by job title. The 1703D job title report will detail by work date the staffing hours submitted for select job titles. And the 1705D PBJ staffing data report identifies areas of concern that may trigger follow-up during an annual survey. Areas of concern reported are failure to submit data for the quarter, excessively low weekend staffing, one-star staffing rating, no RN hours, or failure to have licensed nursing coverage 24 hours a day. And Natalie, I'll ask you to speak to some of the MDS reports available. Yeah, so there are two reports in CASPER that communities can run to verify the MDS census. Data is correct. First is the 1704D, that's the daily MDS census detail report, and this lists the IDs of the residents included in the daily facility census counts for a specified period. And then the 1704S is the daily MDS census summary report, and that provides daily facility census counts for a specified period. In addition to the CASPER reports, your MDS coordinators should run the following reports around monthly. So these can be found in iKeys or you can use your SHP CASPER manager. We have the MDS 3.0 resident roster report, and this report will produce your community's iKeys census. And then the MDS 3.0 missing OBRA assessment report. So this report is going to include residents who have not had an accepted assessment into IKEYS in at least 138 days since the last accepted OBRA, or if we haven't had a chance to get that OBRA assessment completed yet, 60 days from receiving an entry tracking record. One thing to take note of for the MDS nurses that are looking at this report is that the assessment that's listed on the report is the last accepted report into IKEYS and is not in fact the missing assessment. IKEYS has no way of knowing which assessments are in fact missing. They're just communicating to you this is the last assessment that we have received in our system. So any assessment that was completed after that has not in fact been accepted or there must have been a mismatch in one of those resident identifiers. So assessments completed after the one listed on the report would have been attached to another resident ID in IKEYS. LCS's goal is to maintain four-star above in all domains. So what are some things communities can do to help achieve this? It's important to establish five-star staffing PPD goals to achieve five-star staffing rating and monitor your daily labor to evaluate needed changes in staffing to meet those established goals. How each employee is set up in the timekeeping system matters. So be sure your staff only have one PBJ employee ID on file with CMS. Otherwise, your turnover statistics will likely be artificially high. And reviewing those PRN employees to ensure that they have worked within the past 60 days. 
If not, they will fall under turnover. So making sure you're looking ahead and getting those PRN employees scheduled so they don't hit that turnover measure. Start preparing for the PBJ submission early and plan to submit it as soon as possible to avoid any delays. And then also running the staffing reports previously discussed prior to submission to ensure the accuracy and completeness of your data. And Natalie, as we're all aware, nursing shortages, high rates of turnover, and tight budgets can make hiring and retaining staff difficult. So this would be a great time for our communities to review new employee orientation and mentoring programs to identify areas of performance opportunity. That's a great point. We definitely want to retain those employees for multiple reasons, but this is a great idea. There are some other things that are included in the turnover calculation, and I don't think communities are aware of the fact that this is even included in this domain. So what are some considerations that our community should be aware of to avoid the unnecessary turnover increases? Yes. Included in the turnover calculation are the percentage of nursing staff, the percentage of RN staff, and the number of administrators who left the facility over a 12-month period. So the turnover definition criteria states that eligible employees, agency as well, are included in the turnover measure if they worked 120 hours and 90 days during the three-quarter baseline period. PRN, agency, contracted workers, or employees out on FMLA could possibly negatively impact that turnover measure. Employment gaps of at least 60 days that occur or start during the 12-month period covered by a turnover measure count as turnover. This means that staff members who have extended medical or family leave or staff who work flex schedules over holiday and weekends, which may not be considered turnover according to the facility policy, but it will count as turnover if they meet that five-star turnover criteria. Yeah, that is a great point as well. And many communities were not aware of that either. Unfortunately for us, we have experienced the downgrade to the one star automatically in this domain, which again, if you have a one star in this domain, this is going to also reduce your overall star rating by one star. So what situations put the community at risk for that automatic downgrade? There are a few situations. So if a community fails to submit PBJ data by the deadline, which is 45 days following the end of quarter, they will be downgraded to one star for the quarter. There's no exception. CMS does not accept any late submissions. And unfortunately, we have had a few communities that have been automatically downgraded to a one star despite staffing at a five star level due to failure to submit that PBJ data on time. If a community has more than four days in a row without RN staffing hours, they will also be downgraded to a one star for the quarter. So make sure you have some backup plans for any unexpected absences and being proactive in your scheduling approach. Communities that fail to respond to a PBJ audit, fail to submit documentation for a PBJ audit, or fail to pass that audit will receive a one star for three months from the time at which the deadline to respond passes or from when the discrepancies are identified. If repeat audits identify the same discrepancy, the time frame for the staffing rating downgrade may be extended. 
Some examples of significant inaccuracies are instances where the difference between the submitted hours and the verified hours is large enough that it would change a facility star rating or change how the facility compares to its state average. All right, so speaking to that failure to submit the PBJ data, that's going to include submissions that were not actually accepted into the system. We have had some examples where communities thought that they submitted on time, but then found out later that IKEYS did not receive that file. So is there any way for communities to verify their submission was actually accepted into the system? There is. Once a community has submitted the PBJ data, they must ensure that file was accepted by reviewing the CASPER PBJ Submitter Final File Validation Report. This report provides detailed information about the status of a select submission file and indicates whether the file was accepted or rejected. It will also detail the warning and fatal areas encountered. This report purges from CASPER after 60 days. Once this occurs, you can run the PBJ on-demand final file validation report, which provides detailed information about the status of one or more submission files submitted 61 days ago or longer. So now that we've talked about managing and reporting PBJ, Natalie, what should folks know about the actual PBJ audit? Yeah, so we found a couple of areas that would prompt an audit, and those are going to be, as we keep discussing, the failure to submit by the deadline, any large changes in census. So, for example, if your community has downgraded the amount of certified beds you had, let's say from 80 beds to 60, this is going to be a 20 resident shift in census, this would probably prompt an audit to be done. Also, if there are communities that have multiple discharge MDS assessments that haven't been done, and then they get caught up. So we'll say at one point your census was 100 because we had multiple discharge assessments sitting out there not being completed. Now we are up to date on our assessments. We've submitted all of those discharge assessments. So now your census has fallen by 30 residents. This is also going to probably prompt an audit. One other thing is if your community has had a previous audit, especially for those communities who did not pass. Also, something to note is that CMS is not actually the one who completes the audit. They contract this out. Our friends at Meyer and Stauffer complete the audits as well as Conrad. So if your community has been selected for a PBJ audit, you will be notified via certified mail. So that means Anyone who receives the mail in your community has to know that they need to notify your team right away because we only have seven days from the receipt of the letter to respond and submit that requested documentation. So just like if you miss the deadline in the PBJ submission, if you miss this seven-day response deadline, your community will be downgraded to that one star in the staffing domain which is going to reduce your overall star rating by one star as well. This also holds true if inaccuracies are identified in the information that was submitted. So during the audit, if they're finding large amounts of discrepancies in the PBJ data that was submitted, you will not pass the audit and that would automatically cause you to be downgraded by the one star. 
And then one thing that many of us did not know is that CMS has given those auditors an unwritten threshold of 5% for discrepancies between the MDS census and actual census. So again, timely completion and submission of those MDS admission and discharge assessments, as well as the accuracy of the PBJ data that we submit is critical to passing those audits. Once your audit is completed and the final results are ready, your community will receive that report via email. All right, Linda, are there any other final thoughts that you had we should review? Yes, there are a couple of things I wanted to mention. One is that salaried employee hours only get reported for the hours they are paid for. So, for example, if a salaried employee works for 10 hours but is paid only for eight, only eight hours should be reported. And then just a reminder that if you're using MDS hybrid nurses, unfortunately, those hours do not count towards your PBJ hours. Yeah, that is a really good point as that hybrid MDS role has gained more and more popularity since the pandemic. I think many communities are unaware that those hours that the MDS nurses working at home cannot be counted in their staffing. So that was a lot to untangle. Thank you so much for being here today. I really do like that collaborative approach that we were able to use. I think it did shine a light on the domain from multidisciplinary perspective. Of course, I loved being here with you and I actually learned some things myself. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. I learned some things as well and we will all continue learning together as this domain seems to be ever changing and ever evolving. So for those teams out there, if you have any questions, please reach out to Jennifer Milnick or your clinical and MDS specialist. We would be happy to assist. Thank you all for everything you continue to do every day for our residents and families. It is noticed and appreciated by the LCS Health Services Division. Be on the lookout for the next edition of the MDS Leadership Series podcast, where we're dedicated to the continuing education of our MDS nurses. This has been a Healthcare Highwire presentation. Never stop learning.